This is Mouth Media Network, the business of being heard. Hi, I'm Naiha Shree. I'm the co-founder and CMO of Chopper.ai. What I love about innovation is that it brings in the inner scientist in us and helps us look at the world in a different way. From New York City, you are listening to Fashion Is Your Business, covering the intersection of innovation and business in the fashion industry. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the show. I'm Mark Rako, and I'm here with my good friend, Mr. Puffinball. Hey, Puffin. Hey, yo, what's going on, Mark? Good. Everyone should be introduced like that. It's Puffin! Yeah, it, it, it feels pretty good. It's a good way to start my Monday. Thank you. <laughs> That's right. You're welcome. Uh, also with us, of course, all the way from Singapore, we are definitely a global show. Naya, welcome to the show. Great to have you. Thanks for joining us. Thanks so much, Mark. It's a pleasure to be here. Same here. Thanks for doing it at uh, such a late hour, too. Appreciate that, given the time <laughs> difference. So, uh, uh, so let, how, how are you doing, by the way? How are you doing? Uh, we don't get a chance to talk to people in Singapore very often about, uh, you know, how they're doing with from a pandemic standpoint, not just the pandemic, but, you know, business in pandemic, post-pandemic time. Uh, in a nutshell, how, how are you? How are you doing? Um, so I would say the economy is uh, we were under lockdown for over two months and, uh, you know, we, we are now in the second phase of the uh, unlocking. Uh, so most businesses, most of retail is back to like 70, 80 percent. Um, yeah. And, and you know, uh, most of the workforce is also starting to get back to their offices and their you know stores and everything. Do they still have the robotic dogs uh, walking around the parks or do they uh, <laughs> do they finally let them get back to the kennel? I, I really do not know about that. Like that was just one park. Um, I was expecting them to be everywhere yeah. by now, but they don't seem to be. So I think like they've been probably put back. <laughs> I don't know about that. I've missed that piece of news. Yeah. I, I, I have a couple. For, yeah, I have a few friends that live out in Singapore, and uh, it was it was definitely top headlines for you know. Okay, they rolling that out. Well, it was scary. <laughs> Immediate post. <laughs> Well, well, they looked intimidating. They weren't friendly-looking robots. They were, I mean, I guess, yeah. I guess it's tough. Black Mirror. <laughs> so they went, they went pure Rottweiler. They didn't start with poodle, poodle robots. <laughs> and went right to Rot. Okay. Got it. Any- <laughs> they don't manage that. So, and I have maybe a great place to start here would be. Can you give us an idea of how you feel, what you and your business have built, how you fit into this moment in time with retail and commerce and, and obviously the fashion industry and, and frankly, this moment of time in terms of the pandemic? Sure. So the biggest setback that has been there for most businesses because of the pandemic is that they cannot no longer, uh, you know, build that customer relationship, right? Like earlier, a customer could come into the shop, you know, experience what the brand is like and the feel of the brand is like and what the people of the brand really feel and, you know, talk like, right? Um, and with, with the entire point of going digital, uh, websites are predominantly just one way. So you don't really get to be able to engage with your customers, be able to actually talk to them, understand what they really want. Um, so in regards to the pandemic, especially where we see our business fit in, is to actually give businesses that ability to be able to meet their customers wherever they are 
and uh, then to be able to drive their online revenue and expand their online revenue from those channels. Great, thank you. Sorry, Pavan, I thought I, I, I just honestly <laughs> thought you were going to pick it up from there. I, I, sorry, I didn't, I didn't have a follow-up. All right, okay. Hold not on. to we're, put we're you, so not to, not, sorry, I didn't mean to. I There's mean never to, pressure, Mark. I didn't um, mean to yeah, put it on you. I just, I would honestly thought you were to... Okay, I'll, I'll jump in. Naiha, uh, you know, many of the conversations, it's no um, mystery or, or secret right now that e-commerce has exploded and we've kind of um, jumped into the future quite quickly. Um, you know, the last time I saw you in person in New York was while you were in the New York Fashion Tech Lab. Um, I, I suspect that you had joined that to, um, you know, catalyze relationships and things like that. Given that um, you are a seasoned entrepreneur, I would categorize you as that, no doubt. Um, and I'm wondering, like, how you're approaching this moment, right, where there's an accelerated priority on e-commerce. Um, your company kind of sits amidst that that apex of uh, priority on community and communication, as well as uh, helping that whole flow go out with connected customers and things. Yeah. So I mean, obviously, you know. Uh, Despite all, we're also a very small business, right? And in the end, a very important factor is that we are very focused towards what we do. Because while you know the entire uh, there, there's a huge acceleration that is happening, so that every business will benefit from what we do. Uh, so we are focusing a lot in terms of businesses where you know there's a great amount of customer interaction uh, in the sales process, right? Um, and traditionally, when you think about conversations in the online sphere, it's always been about support. But customers do need uh, a lot more, right? Like if I'm buying a lipstick or I'm buying a luxury bag, I definitely have questions, right? Um, even though it's an impulse purchase, but um, I still want to talk to somebody, you know, get their opinion about it, see, you know, um, get my own personal questions answered. Uh, so we're focusing a lot more on the industries where, you know, this kind of consumer behavior is very important. Um, and, uh, you know, the, uh, the brands are able to uh, really have a need, actually. The brands have a real need to be able to meet their customers, to give that personal consultation online, um, you know, to be uh, to be to be there at the at really the fingertips uh, of their customers, or rather, as I would say, to be in their you know in their customers' friend book. Yeah, and I mean, let's let's kind of take a, a step back and let's explain out the product a little bit to give some context to the to the listeners that don't know what Jumper AI is all about. So, Jumper is a conversational commerce platform that helps uh, businesses uh, meet their customers on popular social media and messaging apps. So you could be doing a Facebook Live and you know your customers could comment and engage on that live. Um, and uh, as soon as they do that, brands are able to send them a message, uh, then walk them through, uh, through the entire purchase process, guide them with you know, different colors, different selections that they require, um, and also be able to complete the entire checkout uh, including the payment and the cart within the messaging channel itself. Um, so we are a full cycle solution, uh, right from customer consideration to be uh, to purchase and then the re-engagement uh, for the brand to be able to do it within the context of the uh, of the social or the messaging platform. And we are also omni-channel, so we work across Facebook and Messenger, WhatsApp, iMessage, Google RCS, uh, Google Ads. Uh, every popular channel that you that the customer could potentially be on, yeah. we we help the brand create a omni-channel presence there. Now, I guess the easiest way to distill that is that you don't have to send a link to the product page and jump off of. Ha, I use jump. Okay, I see why you called it jumper. <laughs> um, so instead of jumping 
or or moving to the um, the e-commerce platform, you could handle all of that from the whole pipeline to um, to conversion inside of that that chat. Whether it's a, a WeChat, a WhatsApp, a, a Facebook, as you mentioned, I would assume uh, several other uh, the prominent um, exactly. messaging solutions. So, exactly. Okay. So just so I understand this, basically, so I, I'm I'm in a Facebook chat, let's say. Uh, are mm-hmm. you saying with the brand? Mm-hmm. And, yes. and instead of saying, here's a link, go to another application, I can play within that message itself to interact with the brand uh, so that I it reduces the friction. Exactly. So it's 100% contextual. Uh, every part from the cart to the payment to, you know, updates to uh, re-engagement, all within the same channel. How much of this process is guided by AI, meaning the chat itself, versus um, getting to a point where a human is behind those chats? So it really differs uh, on a lot of factors, you know, which which could be very brand-specific, very channel-specific, uh, or even product-specific, right? Uh, there are certain, certain product cases where, you know, uh, the... The customer does not need as much of a consultation while buying. However, when you look at, let's say, luxury fashion or beauty or, you know, even health or nutrition, uh, those are the segments where, you know, customers definitely want to talk with somebody, right? Even if they have kind of, you know, made their decision about what they want to buy. Uh, So that really um, kind of plays in that loop in terms of, you know, what is uh, the customer's expectation? Uh, You know, what is is their buying cycle like? and then uh, also in terms of operationally from a business standpoint, right? Do they really have enough humans to be able to guide it? Or do they have enough data to be able to train their AI, right? So it's a, it's a gradual process and it will be defined by that matrix of where does the, does the business and the consumer sit. So uh, I, I think the key thing keeps running through my mind, Nihan, I really appreciate you you unpacking this and, and clearing it up for me is, is what is the actual problem this is solving? Like, in other words, what is the major friction someone's having? I, I do understand for the brand, it helps keep that person closer and reduces that friction. But for the consumer, what is the, what is the, um, the pain that they've been feeling that this solves for them that, that means that they're willing to, to – how does this create a magical consumer experience for them? So essentially, it's, it now becomes from a, you know, from a one-way automated kind of an interaction, right, where you just go to a website and you browse through a collection of products without actually being able to touch or feel the product or understand the product. You now have a two-way communication happening with the brand, right, where you can go and, uh, you know, ask your questions, build the credibility in the brand, right, build your trust in the brand uh, before you make a purchase decision. Um, and it could even be very something very personal, right? Let's say if I am, uh, you know, maybe I'm going for a party, right? And I and I am kind of confused about what do I want to pair my dress with. Now I can actually go and speak to a stylist. She can guide me here. You know, they can guide me uh, about what I should best pair. So now there's somebody who's, and this is kind of much like how, you know, the experience would be if I go into a store, right? Uh, if I go and I walk in a store, if I'm buying a piece of clothing, there's obviously somebody who is, you know, guiding me about what what looks will go with it, right? Uh, which has consistently been absent in the in the online space because in the online space so far, personalization and recommendation was an algorithmic thing. But you know, different individuals have really different tastes and choices, right? Um, the way they want to pair their colors, the way they want to pair their materials is all very different. 
uh, and this kind of opens up that experience for the consumer to be able to uh, you know have the uh, have have that two way communication uh, with you know with whether it's like brand advisors uh, uh, or stylists gotcha now so how does have you been playing well with some of the other um, kind of recommendation engines then in terms of trying to figure out a um, a nice complementary package, I guess, of, of services. So a few that come to my mind is on the styling side of Stylitics. Uh, they've been on the show a couple of times, Rohan. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe even thinking through like the emotional intelligence side or the, the way that mm-hmm. Lily uh, Porva over at Lily.ai is approaching it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's another layer where it's, um, have you heard of a power front, which uh, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. essentially has the, what do you call them? Um, not emoticons, the hell you Yeah, they have the little characters for everybody on the yeah. back end, so customer yeah. service is better able to to support mm-hmm. their online business. Um, how yeah. how are you thinking about those solutions? Are you building in house? Are you looking to to kind of attach this to other things? So uh, one thing that we've noticed is that uh, again, because you know when we talk about conversational CX, right, mm-hmm. uh, it can get very brand and very like you know uh, channel specific also. Uh, at times. Uh, uh, so there's no one way that it works for all. Um, however, there is definitely a way to standardize it. Um, so how we're looking at this is right now, we would work very strategically with the brands to be able to really understand what their customers' expectations are. Because honestly, this is new, right? And you can't go with, with a certain assumption that this is how it would behave. And we see really uh, stark differences between brands in the same category uh, you know, uh, maybe under the same group, but the, but the consumer behavior can very, very much differ under them. Um, uh, in regards to building other um, kind of, you know, uh, solutions around customer personalization and recommendation, uh, we do a combination of things. Um, we, uh, we, we work with the partners. So we do have certain analytical partners and certain uh, marketing automation partners with whom we will work, uh, you know, to plug in their system into ours. So it's it's dynamic and real time, and you know it, it it works together as an ecosystem with the tools that the brand is already using. Uh, the second part is that we would we invest a lot of time in terms of going into the micro analytics of the conversation, because there's a lot of data and understanding that goes in there, uh, which is very much natural language driven, right? Um, and two customers could could be expecting the same thing but seeing it in a very different way. So we would do like these audits and these strategy roadmaps with our customers to be able to understand what's really happening, uh, you know, underneath the layer and what is then the kind of, you know, uh, recommendation systems that we need to build or what is the kind of uh, insights that they, their, you know, their advisors, their brand advisors need to have, right? Or the KOLs need to have. Uh, so we, we are predominantly like at this moment, we're predominantly working on that. However, on the sidelines, we have a data team uh, and a data science team which is consistently working on, you know, kind of getting real-time analytics about the customer sentiment. So depending on what the customer is saying, is this an angry customer? What is the you know probability of that customer uh, buying the product, right? Should you be giving a discount to this customer or not? Um, having those, you know, insights, that those micro-insights being there real-time right now for the humans and then ultimately for the AI to be able to define that as well. Are you finding that there is more of a, I guess priority, um, given you know the acceleration of the usage of e-commerce or the conversion that, or the I mean the utility of e-commerce versus other uh, avenues uh, for for retailers. Are you finding that um, 
you're you're battling less hesitation or are you finding that it's the same kind of amount of uh you know uh objections that people are trying to that you're trying to overcome um so i would say because what we're doing is very niche right and there is a certain amount of uh, awareness curve that is required right so when a brand has let's say if a brand has deployed a chatbot in the past right they know what worked and they what did not work uh, so with with them our solution is very easy to sell because uh, you know they they know the loopholes and then you know we we have substantial case studies to you know to show how our customers are benefiting or you know what is the strategic roadmap that they should be having uh, so we don't see much uh, much of a you know um, much of a hesitation or uh, difficulty in that sales process. However, yes, if a brand is completely new to the sphere of like you know of uh, of CX, right? Uh, they have probably not done anything beyond support, right? Then then there's a, there's an education curve that comes in first, and uh, you know you need to get them to the same level to start seeing this as as a channel as against you know uh, uh, you know a routing yeah, it makes factor. Makes sense. Like how how large is your sales team? Uh, so our sales team is actually uh, just three so- people. Uh, most of our right. well, no, no, no. Well, well, what I want to get to is more about with a mm-hmm. sales team of three people, how is what you just told us um, in terms of the profile of target customer, how is that? How are you approaching your sales pipeline and, and efforts based on that? Uh, so in terms of uh, we, we believe in an entire inbound sales, uh, so we are an inbound sales org, uh-huh. right? Uh, we do not do any outbound at all. Uh, and we also believe in a very product-led growth. So a couple of factors that have and work for us is basically, let's say brand A works with us, right? Uh, they uh, Usually a lot of our customers would refer customers outside their organization as well. Right. Uh, we have a lot of expansion within the organization as well, because, you know, brand A gets tremendous results. It becomes, you know, kind of organic for the brand B in the same organization to start adopting it as well. Right. So our sales uh, is, is more about, you know, consultative uh, enablement rather than actually going and trying to, you know, find uh, find customers or, you know, trying to find that. Um, and then we, we work as an ecosystem, right? We do not see ourselves as an, in, in an isolation because ultimately, you know, we're talking about an experience, right? We're just not saying, you know, get X done, which is, you know, just get a purchase done anyhow, right? We want our customers to be able to get, uh, and our customers do get as high as like 25%, 50% conversion rates, right? Mm-hmm. Um, different brands at different levels, but on an average, our platform is 17% conversion rate. Uh, and that's because we, you know, we invest a lot of time to make, to understand the brand and how, what will take them there, right? We do not say this is a standard solution that we have and you, you just take it. We have the modules, so we can very much plug and play those modules, um, you know, specific to, to to what is the matrix that a brand requires and, and the product then becomes that. Got it. So, I mean, although you're an inbound sales organization, I mean, um, there must be outbound marketing to catch these nets of inbounds, right? So what has been the most successful yeah. mediums in terms of, of you gaining uh, attention for uh, jumper.ai um it's actually been uh been a lot of workshops so uh, i mean pre-covid and then i think during covid as well we've been doing certain workshops and stuff but obviously pre-covid we had a lot more advantage right and uh we our, our solution is in a way that you know we we could go into a room uh, you know full of like uh 20 uh you know uh, 20 buyers right like brand buyers across different brands and we we have that capability that within within an hour 
they're able to make their own bot, mm. right? They are able to see this entire experience, you know, have their own product, set up everything, chill, have coffee, tea, you know, um, and they're able to see it in front of them. They don't have to worry about the logic and, you know, about a lot of tedious things, right? So it's all, uh, then it just comes into an operation yeah. level, right? That how do we get this operationally out? So that has definitely been one of our biggest uh, winning factors because once somebody sees the demo of the product, it just speaks out. Interesting. And you're organizing these uh, demos or, you know, these kind of uh, run-throughs of the product uh, as the company, or are you teaming up with uh, third parties that kind of present uh, technology to a number of uh, different... Uh, um, yeah, yeah, we do We do a matrix of that. So uh, we do a lot of that, uh, you know, directly as well. We have a lot of direct relationships. Uh, with with quite a few of our customers and on an organizational, on a uh, multi-country level as well. Uh, we work with partners too. We work with uh, different events as well. Uh, yeah. So check this out. For more than 15 years and more than 160,000 customers, the number one SMS marketing software industry leader Easy Texting has set the standard for business texting platforms. So it's a cloud-based self-service SaaS platform, and it's a top 20 best product for marketers and it allows businesses of all sizes to reach and engage their mobile audiences. They've sent 5 billion messages to their customers. Yes, but what can really move the needle for you is this. Texting delivers 600% more engagement than email. Now, what could you do with 600% more engagement? Look, 90% of people read new messages within 30 minutes, right? And text messages, 134% more likely to be read than emails. So when an online boutique wanted to send their existing customers coupons and information about upcoming sales, they wanted an easy-to-use text marketing platform, and they used easy texting. 89% of customers prefer messaging to communicate with businesses. 77% of consumers have a more positive impression of companies that text. So when a clothing store with a pop-up shop wanted to increase store traffic as well as tell past customers about new arrivals, they used easy texting. In-store traffic increased within just a few hours of their first text. They had positive communications with customers and they saved time. So you come to fashion as your business for valuable business insights and strategy, right? This one is a game changer. Texting allows you to facilitate scheduling, enable staffing, promote products and services and notify customers and the big kahuna provide an excellent customer experience. So fashion is your business is going to hook you up. Easy texting is offering a free trial to listeners of the fashion is your business podcast. Just text fashion to 858-585. Again, that's fashion to 858-585. Message and data rates may apply for this recurring message program. Uh, 
I, I, I look at the different kinds of clients that you're working with, everything from Ben and Jerry's to Disney to, you know, obviously. Uh, Dude, fashion. Ben and, hold on. I want to pause and I'm going to give a clap to Ben and Jerry's. Because yeah. I, I, I'm obsessed with uh, the way that they've been just so overtly yeah. uh, combating bullshit. Um that we're that we're seeing in our cycle here in North America, um, but they've been that through and through. Um, but I, I, I yeah. I'm going to get back to Ben and Jerry's in just a second because now <laughs> no, I, didn't realize, all, I didn't realize they were close. <laughs> uh, so 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 my question is, um, I, I I understood you had the the bit of uh, plug and play, if you will. Uh, um, Sorry, that may be the wrong term. You've got, got the components that can be assembled based on what a brand's needs are. Uh, and then you have the, the overall AI uh, behind that. Uh, my question is, how are you able to so nimbly serve not just an individual brand within a certain industry, but go what seems like virtually any industry and have that industry and its particular needs served by that same algorithm, by that same set of components? Uh, is there just a universality that applies to almost anything? Are you able to easily uh, customize it? Uh, tell me about that. So um, I would not say that we, we, uh, we are going to every industry. Uh, and uh, there are two factors that we look at the industries. One is that, uh, you know, there's either a high concentration that drives that purchase, or it is a, you know, it is a very micro factor purchase where, you know, uh, you can really automate the things, right? Mm -hmm. So that's really the two factors. Um, on, on, on why we're able to serve through all of these, uh, the two main factors, one is definitely we have uh, quite flexible components, right? Uh, so in, as, as a product, our, uh, you know, we, we understand the basic structure of what do you require to complete a transaction within these channels, right? That is the main core thing, which is then customizable, right? In terms of how do you deploy the matrix and how does it happen? And we've actually spent a considerable amount of time um, in terms of building that entire ecosystem. So we have the entire ecosystem with the brand, uh, you know, is like from an operational perspective, right? That the brand will have. Um, over the period of time, we also now have an understanding of like, what are the operational or the, you know, internal uh, business challenges that a brand may have, right? So we kind of work through all those different, um, you know, different levels and all those different uh, pain points that a brand would have to finally face through. Um, and and that's that's really what gets us to be able to, you know, serve across these multiple industries. Um, uh, uh, but then again, we are very, very enterprise focused. Uh, we do have an SME business as well, uh, which is operating in a very different way altogether. Uh, we are not doing the mid segment at all right now uh, so it's like really two different uh, you know poles uh, of, so, of, of segment, business segments one related question uh, how what kind of size of a business does your solution actually make sense for what what point in time does, should someone be looking at integrating something like this um, I would ideally see a business that is you know um, at least doing uh, above of like 10 million a year. Uh, you know, ideally, that is is the time because you know there's that you, you need to have the time and the also the resources to be able to dedicate to a new channel, right? So if you're heavily focused on just driving traffic to your website, right, and that is the key metric that you're showing to investors, uh, mm -hmm. then we might probably not be the right fit. 
But if you are a multinational brand, right, like maybe, you know, a, a 2,000 people organization, you definitely need to expand your channels online, right? And that's where we very, uh, you know, very uh, seamlessly fit in because you may have a marketplace, you may have a website, but you are always trying to strive to make, you know, uh, have, have a better revenue yeah. uh, share or expand your revenue. And that's how much of your uh, client base is, base is, um, is here in the U.S.? Um, so U.S. most of our client base is actually on the uh, on the SME side, uh, which would uh, honestly be uh, below uh, doing two million. So our SME business right now, majority are, of our are you US finding though, SME given business. the um, political uh, atmosphere, the social atmosphere with Black Lives Matter and um, injustices kind of rising to the surface of mm-hmm. how do we attach, how do we attack this from a cultural standpoint here in North America? Um, are you finding that um, your clients are adjusting kind of their tonal output, let's say, of the way that they want to interact or the box to interact with their clients? Um, I would say no. I would say no. Um, in general, we've seen a, a, a higher demand overall for, for this because, you know, like uh, the entire question of digitization comes in, right? So if you, whether you're a big brand or a small brand, it does not matter. You want to be going to your customer on the easiest channel. Uh, that you can probably market to them or reach out to them. So we're seeing a, a, a higher demand because of that. People are, as I said, right, like when you think about CS or what should be the ideal customer experience, right, conversational customer experience, uh, most brands, uh, you know, uh, or most businesses do not really yeah. uh, really know what they should be doing, right? So they're not at that layer where they are being, excess, uh, you know, uh, being cautious about what is the tonality or how it is, right? Um Obviously, it does kind of play, uh, you know, together with, you know, what their brand value is. Uh, we definitely do see that. We do we do have customers who have, you know, with the backlash that has happened uh, with Facebook in the, you know, in the recent months, uh, who've taken a very strong stand uh, in terms of, you know, uh, which components of our product do they use, right, or which channels do they use on the platform, and have kind of, uh, uh, few of them have really detached themselves mm-hmm. from using Facebook products at this moment, right? So that is there, yes. Uh, overall, what the brand value is, it, it does come into the communication, but not so much in terms of, you know, should it be, like, I don't think people are angry against bots, right? People are no. angry against... Uh, uh, yeah, angry I mean, look, more, and th- this has nothing to do values. with the innovation side uh, or um, or specifically to your solution. But I, I do think to, to say, to, to add yeah. on top of your comment that brands don't really know what to do, they should fucking do something. Like, period. Like... Either way, uh, wherever your values do lie, either come through, through and through on your mission statement. This is the time to do that. Um, And it doesn't matter where you fall on that spectrum, but by doing nothing, you are not going to galvanize any of your customers. Um, So uh, get with it. Um, Second, to move on. (laughs) (laughs) Don't beat around the bush, Tommy. Yeah, I mean, that's what it is, right? Um, No, I think most brands are are very very clear on, on that right i think more and more like in today's date it's become very important mm-hmm. to have a value system because otherwise you know the, it's it's everything is so open uh consumers see you know what you're seeing and what you're doing yeah. uh so brands are definitely uh, a lot mindful about it uh but yeah does it you know like i think the the question is that you know uh mm-hmm. how much does it go into the comps right i think the comps is still not something that they're entirely seeing it but obviously uh, they're making sure that it does not come in that way, right? Whatever they're saying, whatever they're doing is is what they are putting their value to be, like their business value. Yeah, look, it's, at, it's easier uh, to be Switzerland about. always, um, but then you, you end up being Switzerland. So um, 
I don't know how to, uh, you know, I guess time will play out in terms of how this all shakes. But, but as a consumer, for me personally, I am definitely voting with my dollars, let's say, right? So I'm making sure that I'm putting money towards uh, things that um, have aligned values, to your point. So, so Naiha, I want to actually, like, divert course completely. And Mark, are you, are you, are you good with that? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Wherever you go, I'll go. All right, cool. Thanks, man. <laughs> we're, we're in the same car. We're in the same <laughs> that's car. right. That's right. Um, so, you know, you are, I mentioned before that I categorize you as a seasoned entrepreneur, uh, business builder. Can you quickly give an overview yeah. for our listeners right now, um, some of the work that you've been involved in in the past in your, in your companies before? Sure. So I started my first venture about almost eight years ago when I was in my final year of uh, graduation. I started with the online education space, uh, you know, where we were uh, we were building a platform for uh, for uh, for students in the U.S. Uh, you know, who were uh, in engineering and STEM uh, courses to be able to get uh, assistance right with their schoolwork, um, and and we were building a platform around that. Um, but unfortunately, my co-founders kind of, you know, uh, had had better offers, and that did not work out. Um, and then uh, after that, I have uh, this is this is actually my sixth venture. So Jumper is my sixth yeah. venture. Uh, in between, I I made an app uh, which was called Selfie Challenge, uh, much like what TikTok is right now. It was like a image and you know video challenge app. Um, we had about four hundred plus uh, four hundred thousand plus downloads on that app. Uh, didn't work out. I blew off. Uh, we bootstrapped it. Uh, two very hard years of my life. Um, but when then, I've also had um, uh, had. I've also sold a few let's companies. T- let's before. let's pause there. You've um, also I, sold a few I, companies I, before. Okay, restart. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to make 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 note of this. <laughs> I mean, this is not your first rodeo, and and this is obviously going to preface the, the the rest of this conversation. But please go please go on. Like, can you well, talk through some of these exits? Is part of this also, uh, in all seriousness, other than let's get a sense of. And I have pedigree and background and, and credibility. And so and just to learn about her yeah. is also this is what's gone into Jumper. This is it's this is the product of all of those learnings in these different areas. Yeah. 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 So I've had um, I've had two exits as well. Uh, one was a product which was a psychometric game. So basically you play a game and, you know, it would kind of it was an interview test game. So you're playing a game and it kind of, you know, guesses your stress levels, you know, how good you are in terms of response and, you know, how quickly do you think, how analytically do you think, um, which was uh, acquired by, uh, by, a, by a hiring company. Um, and then um, I also had another uh, venture where it was an ad tech platform. So basically you could, uh, it, it was a marketplace where people could buy uh, ad space, uh, you know, brands could buy ad space on uh, people's cars and like you know personal property and stuff, um, which was um, again like seeded uh, by an agency and then it was acquired by an agency as well. Um, I also hadn't had a drag and drop app builder, which was kind of my uh, you know uh, when I was bootstrapping uh, app, um, it it was kind of you know fueling in the the funds for that bootstrapping, uh, and um, that's ex- that's actually where from where the the first. Uh, kind of insight into what was happening in the space, like, you know, how consumers' preferences were changing in terms of how they wanted to interact with brands started coming in. So we used to give uh, this thing called In72, which was like, you know, you get an app in 72 minutes uh, for 7,200 rupees. Um, 
it, yeah, it was a very good lead gen thing. Obviously, you know, not everybody wanted an app that was for like you know less than hundred dollars. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it worked as a very good lead gen. We were working with quite a few uh, successful uh, DTC brands that were emerging back then. Uh, you know, and and giving them like web and uh, app solutions, but a lot of them had started actually coming back and you know, kind of addressing this problem of their customers coming and messaging them, uh, which which actually kind of led to you know three years on, kind of led to Jumper happening in. Yeah. Now, I mean, how many? I guess if you were to guess, if you don't know the exact number, what, what's kind of a rough estimate of how many people you've employed in the past? Oh. In current, including um, current. Um, I think, um, let me count. It, it, it would be somewhere between 60 to 80. Okay. And this is all over, um, from solutions that you built from the scratch. So my, my question is, um, what, what has been, I guess, if you take your learnings from holistically look at, um, somebody that truly has an appetite to build and constantly does, um, what are some of the challenges that you find to be a constant um, battle and, and like, you know, or just a, like kind of the hardest things that you've had to overcome? Um, so I think when, when you're hiring people, uh, one of the biggest challenges is to get the right people, right? I think uh, there's, there's a lot of talk about like the team culture and, you know, getting the right folks, uh, especially when you're doing a startup, right? Because there's just so much of uncertainty that will be there throughout your journey, right? And you do need people who kind of understand that, but are also passionate enough to be able to give that extra, you know, extra mile that is required to go and succeed, right? Uh, we don't expect people to, you know, break things uh, or, or like, you know, uh, work tirelessly like zombies. But, uh, you know, I think when, when you're going through different phases in your life, it's, it's important to have a team which stands together as a family. And I think like, you know, in my past eight years, this is one thing that has, uh, most significantly stood out. Um, my co-founder has always been a very big advocate of this. Uh, he has, you know, over 24 years of experience. Uh, so for me, this was not something that is natural, and I've learned that. Uh, I've done my own share of mistakes, and you know, now I kind of really value the people that I work with. Uh, and and you know, I I understand that it's just not me. Who, you know, who is uh, like usually people say, right, like. Uh, founders go through a lot, a lot of pain, and which we do have to. Uh, but I, I would say that it's, uh, it's very important to have a team which you know, which is as, uh, as visionary and as dedicated as you know, as you see, uh, see yourself or you envision things. You know, where does the this experience in terms of um, market variables stack up in terms of how difficult it's been to navigate um, the this whole impact of COVID and the related uh, quarantine? Uh, so for us, I would say on the business side, um, it, it's not been, uh, it, it's been in fact been a positive effect. Uh, on, a, on a personal side, uh, quite a few of our team members went through, you know, through a very troubled time, uh, you know, on, a, on, a, on their personal uh, fronts. Um, and, and there was a time where, you know, we just one week where three, three of my teammates uh, lost their fathers. Uh, was a very difficult week for us. Wow. Uh, you know, it happened back to back. But it kind of, uh, you know, and we had to take the pause, right? We had to, uh, everybody had to kind of, you know, level up, uh, you know, uh, be there to support them and also be able to cover up uh, to make sure that, you know, our customers are not impacted by it, right? Mm -hmm. So it kind of acted for us as a more stronger bonding, uh, you know, bonding phase. 
uh, and not just within the team, but also with like, you know, our uh, our advisors and our external network that was there because they were aware, like, you know, what was the, like the, the big challenge that we were going through at that, that one particular week, uh, you know, and how then we managed through, through with it. Uh, so everybody was really, really helpful, you know, right within the team to, to our partners, to our, you know, all our well-wishers who were aware of what was happening in at that time. And even our customers, like a few of our customers knew uh, that, that tragic week. Wow. Well, I, I, I assume that you're um, proud of the way upon reflection that your company and yourself handled uh, the totally, team, and, totally. and, I, and I wish nothing yeah. but um, the best for everybody uh, over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I think it was, in a way, very good because, you know, I think everybody was very supportive at that time. So uh, not just within the team, but uh, everybody else associated with the business in one way or the other. All right. Uh, that seems like a very natural point to uh, move on to uh, our off the grid questions where we look at the more personal and human side as if that hasn't been human right after this. Now, here comes a twist. I'm going to share serious tips, challenges, and solutions. I'm 36 years old. I founded 21 companies. I'm an Inc. 500 awardee. One word. Add, drop, off. Ignore. This is Naked Entrepreneur. It happened to me not once, not twice, three times. This is going to happen. Write it down. With Eli Ostriker. Right now, let me focus on my logo. Focus on the website. You f***ing out of your mind. Are you crazy? Rated R. Listen, it's a podcast. Naked Entrepreneur. All right, now, uh, uh, it is now time for... It's time for Questions Off the Grid with Fashion Is Your Business. That's right. Off the Grid questions where we ask questions a little more off the grid, a little more personal in nature, a little bit less about the company, a little more about NIHA. Uh, to determine the order, I know there's just two of us, but we still love to do it. Pavan and I will spin a wheel, a big prize wheel of grid destiny to determine the destiny of our off the grid questions. Who chooses what which what, what, whatever I just said. Who, which question go? Who who goes first? So, uh, and I'm gonna spin that. I'm gonna just get away from talking and spin the wheel. And the f- first question is uh, finally, Puvin. Finally, it's me. The first question. The, wa- the weighted says, the weighted wheel goes. goes Mark. Pretty. He said some pretty. It almost fell on top of me at that, that time. Uh, all right, my question, uh, Naiha, is this. Um, I imagine that you, over the years, given your different ventures, you, you've had an opportunity to travel quite a bit. Would, would you say that that's true? Yeah. Okay. Uh, where, when you feel really comfortable just traveling anywhere that you want to and, and that's available for you, what is the first place you want to go back to? And when you get there, what what are you most looking forward to taking in, whether it's food or, or a site or an activity? Um, I think New York. I, I want to I feel <laughs> the New York weather right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and so when you... Not the New York weather. <laughs> yeah, and when you get here, what will, what will that... Uh, what, what will you need to do when you're here? No, I just want to, I just want to feel the city vibe. That's all. <laughs> yeah, the, the city vibe is a little different these days. It is. Uh, I don't want to disappoint you, but... Um... <laughs> Uh, I, I'm still in good spirits and definitely would be happy to show you around and hang out again out here. But uh, 
man, I, I, I am really worried about where this city's uh, personality is going to be in the next couple of years or even right away. Oh. I mean, right now it's just a, ooh, it's an interesting one. I hope that's restored soon. It's, yeah. it's just a great thing. Yeah, that's all that. Same, <laughs> same, same, same. <laughs> Well, thank you for that. Uh, and another spin of the wheel. Who could it go to? Yeah. Of course, it is Pavan Gofora. Oh, man, I didn't have one ready. Hold on one oh, second. Oh, well, uh, I know. I know it was a mystery. <laughs> How could well, you know okay. that was coming? Um, Naya, um, you know, of course, Singapore has uh, a, a loads of Desi people there. Um, having grown up in India, like, what, 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 do you, what do you miss the most about being, being home? my god um besides family let's let's clear out the obvious yeah honestly nothing uh honestly nothing i think i used to miss a lot of like mumbai food when i initially came here so like a lot of pani puri Mm -hmm. uh you know um a lot of like is is elmo's your joint sorry do you used to go to elmo's by chance up in bandra uh Almost no, I don't think I've heard about that. Like, um, uh, I was I was like an Andheri person, so you know I was Got like uh, a little north, a yeah, little north. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so I kind of missed that a lot. Like you know, like especially that craving for pani puri. Yeah. Uh, which is I think kind of very universal for an Indian. Uh, but beyond that, I would say like honestly, nothing much because Singapore is really a very multicultural city. So you essentially you know get. Um, uh, you essentially just get used to it. It's like a, it's like a cosmopolitan village, mm-hmm. right? Like you can live life at your own pace, uh, and and yeah, you don't really miss much. Um, and that's kind of true for most people, right? Everything just gets comfortable here. Great. All right, and uh, Naya, how can uh, people uh, reach out to you, if, whether it's directly or or through your company, to find out more and, and maybe even uh, interact with your product? So I'm Naiha Shri on LinkedIn, N-Y-H-A-S-H-R-E-E. Uh, LinkedIn is definitely the best place to, to reach out and, uh, and talk, talk with me. Great. All right. Well, Naiha, thank you so much for joining us. Congratulations on what you and your team have built. It's pretty, uh, it's pretty exciting and, and a part of a, a, you know, a larger uh, spectrum of things that are, are really uh, positioned to, to help uh, transform the, the way that e-commerce even happens and, and uh, the way people interact with brands online in general. So congratulations and best of luck on a huge wide path forward. Yep. And I had, uh, if we, if we get the chance to come out to Singapore anytime soon, I'm going to look to you for the best gold guppas as well as, uh, yeah. I'm going to, th- I'm going to throw in some, <laughs> maybe, maybe some alu tikis. I don't know, but, um, you're going to have to point me in the right direction then. That's awesome. Yeah, those are all, all going to be homemade. <laughs> Got Very it. good. But that all right, works well, out well. Well, thanks for uh, coming in from Singapore. We sure appreciate it. Uh, that's it for this episode of Fashion is Your Business for Pub and Ball. Shake it easy, guys. I am Mark Rako. Uh, we really appreciate you listening. We hope you stay safe and well. Until next time, have a great day. Bye-bye. This has been Fashion is Your Business. Produced by Mouth Media Network. Copyright 2020. Keep in touch on Instagram and Facebook at Mouth Media Network and find prior episodes at fashionisyourbusiness.com and wherever the best podcasts are found. Thank you for listening. This 
This is Mouth Media Network, the business of being heard.